Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody today? Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. I remember my mama telling me stories of my grandfather. The Lord saved him. He had a radical transformation. And she said he used to walk through the house jumping, quoting that verse, leaping and jumping and praising God. Oh, what a wonderful day when God saves a sinner's soul. Question 82 we'll be going over this morning. We'll be continuing in the Ten Commandments tonight. This morning we'll be going over the Ninth Commandment. Our question is, what is the Ninth Commandment? Answer being the Ninth Commandment is, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 16. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again this morning, Father. We pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit as we open your word this morning and look at this ninth commandment, Father. I pray that you would convict us of our sin and show us our need for a Savior. None of us is able to keep this law. There was only one who could, our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us this morning, Father, to understand this in jesus name we do pray and ask amen. amen this morning we'll be looking at two points of this what is forbid in the ninth commandment and what the ninth commandment requires proverbs chapter 6 you don't have to turn there verses 16 through 19 solomon says here these six things doeth the lord hate Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Not only a sin, but abominable unto our God. He despises us to the highest degree. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God does not like lying. He does not like bearing false witness against one's neighbor. A simple definition of bearing false witness in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it says to lie about or misrepresent the truth about some event, person, or thing. In common usage, it usually refers to perjury, telling a lie while under oath in a court of law. Also to misrepresent the truth for personal gain or to diabolically cause harm to another by lying. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now first part we'll see here with the Ninth commandment forbids us to do. It says in the catechism, the ninth commandment forbids whatsoever is prejudicial to truth or injurious to our own or our neighbor's good name. It's not only to others' good name, but also to our own good name. There are situations to where things have happened to where you have a family member that may have gotten trouble with the law. 
and the cops show up and you take the rap for something that you did not do. That falls within this as well. You're tarnishing your good name for something that you did not do. Thinking that you may have done the right thing, but personally injuring your own good name and those who are you're responsible to take care of. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, it says, Wherefore put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We belong to one another in this church. We are members one of another. Paul tells us here to put away lying, speaking truth to one another. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 speaks of this being our old nature. Look at verses 8 through 10. Colossians 3, verses 8 through 10. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Notice here in verse 9, lie not to one another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. We're a new creation. We're new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new, the Scripture teaches us. But yet we still find ourselves in times and situations to where we do bear false witness. We do lie. Because we still do have a corrupt flesh that we deal with every day. And Paul's encouraging us here to put that off because you have been transformed. You're no longer a slave to sin like we used to be. Back before the Lord saved you, when sin said, do this, you bowed and you did it because you had no choice. We now have the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth to where we can walk away from these things. Psalm 15, if you turn there. Very strong words here in verses 1 through 4. It says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Who will be able to stand before God? Who will be able to habitate with him in heaven one day? starts telling you what's required in verse 2 it says he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh truth in his heart he's not a liar he does not bear false witness verse 3 he that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor in whose eyes a vile person is contempt but he honoreth them that it fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt 
and changeth not. Sounds a whole lot like those who bear false witness will not ascend that holy hill. Now each and every one of us in here can say, I'm guilty of that. The scripture says that we can't ascend that hill. That's the calamity right there. Paul said this. He said the law was a schoolmaster to bring me to Christ. Paul also said by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his presence for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So when we read these things like in Psalm 15 right here, what hope or what chance do we have? In and of ourselves and our flesh, there is no hope and there is no chance. There is one who you must put your faith in who did this perfectly, that his righteousness may be accounted to you and his name is Jesus Christ. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, you don't have to turn there. These are the things that ye shall do. Speak you every man the truth to his neighbor. Execute the judgment of truth and peace in your gates, and let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against your neighbor. And love no false oath, for all these things that I hate, saith the Lord. Strong words. Strong reproach to anyone who would do such things. But yet, those of us who are truthful with ourselves will say, I don't measure up. You don't. And there is no hope for you outside of Christ. Secondly, this morning, the ninth commandment requires the maintaining and promoting of truth between man and man. And of our own and of our neighbor's good name, especially, I'm sorry, especially in bearing witness. Look at Acts 25. We'll see a couple examples, real life examples in the scripture of those bearing false witness against those who are in the truth. I'll just go through a few. There's many. Acts chapter 25. You paint a picture of the scene here. Paul was standing before Festus, a Roman governor. I believe he was a Roman governor. Anyway, someone in authority at this point. Paul was standing before him. And he didn't want nothing to do with what was going on. But the Jews were pressing him. So to go in her favor with the Jews, he sidestepped his responsibility because he knew that there was, he found no fault in Paul. Acts chapter 25, look at verse 6. We'll read to verse 12. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down into Caesarea 
And the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Guilty until proven innocent. Am I correct? Yeah. Verse 8, he says, While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all? Paul's pleading his case here. What do you have against me? Nothing. Verse 9, But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? And then said, Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Thou hast appealed unto Caesar, unto Caesar thou shalt go. Festus did not want to do what was right. He wanted to go in her favor with the Jews. All the charges that were brought, none of them had any substantiating facts. It was a kangaroo court. While we're in Acts, look at Acts chapter 6. We'll see a very, very... Similar situation with Stephen here. Acts chapter 6, look at verse 11. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Talking about Stephen's testimony when he preached. Verse 12, and they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came unto him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, this man seetheth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. False accusers, they had nothing on him. But they could not stand the Jesus that he spoke about. And they were willing to lie against the truth, against the only one that could save their souls. Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 1 says a good name is better than precious ointment. How many times I know personally myself that I have spoke behind someone's back to another and I've tarnished their name in front of people. Maybe justifiable with the things that they did but I should not have said such things. If I had a problem with that person, I should have went to them personally in the spirit of love, as Galatians 6, 1 says. 
considering myself, lest I also be tempted and fall into temptation myself. If you would turn to Third John. Book of Third John. One chapter. Look at verse 11 and 12. John the Apostle says this. He says, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. He commended this man, Demetrius. He had a good report. And what was his good report? Truth. And of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true. Proverbs 14, if you turn there. see a couple examples here in Proverbs verse 5 says a faithful witness will not lie but a false witness will utter lies not just once or twice it's his daily habit he can't stop lying because it's in his heart to lie even when there's no need in it a liar just lies. They cannot help themselves. They stretch the truth to make themselves look better than what they are for absolutely no reason. It's just their sinful nature. They cannot help it. Why? Because they're a slave to it. They cannot stop. Verse 25, same chapter. A true witness delivereth souls but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. The truth I've said this morning that we cannot keep this law. Now I could tell you this morning, you need to try better. You need to pull yourself up by your brute straps and you need to start doing better. And by me telling you that, you know what I've set you up for? I've set you up for failure next week. You cannot do this. Read Romans chapter 5. Paul talks about the flesh. It's at enmity with God. It does not obey God, never has it will, never will it obey God. You must walk in the Spirit in order to conquer the flesh. Look at James chapter 3. Brother Jimmy just preached through this chapter, so it, this should be very fresh in our minds. James chapter 3. 
speaking about that wisdom that comes from above. Verse 13 through 15. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. That's just a little white lie. I lie in my resume. Say I've had this experience. Say it's just a little white lie. And yes, it is a little white lie. But what's the ramifications of those things? There'll be no blessing attached to it. Jesus promised in the word, whatever would be hidden, I will shout it from the rooftops. There is no hiding your sin. Your sin will find you out one day. And if you stand before God Almighty on that great day of judgment at his great white throne and you don't have the blood of Jesus Christ covering you, I don't care how many good works you've done. Guilty. The wrath that was poured out on Christ on Calvary's cross paid for the sins of his elect children. But I promise you on that day that wrath will be poured out again on those who know not Christ and have not his blood covering them. Revelation chapter 21 gives a great explanation of that. Look at verse 7. Start verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This always confused me right here. He that overcometh. Overcometh is an action verb. I got to do something. Certainly do. And by God's grace, he taught me what this word means. To actively put my faith in what Christ has done on my behalf. That's overcoming. Book of Revelation speaks of this overcoming. It says we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What is our testimony? What God has done for us? No, what God has done for us throughout eternity. The lamb slain from the foundations of the earth <coughs> to pay for the sins of his people. Verse 8 here says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable. Remember in Proverbs or earlier, these six things and of seven are an abomination to him. The abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars. It's just a white lie. 
why is liars in this list? Because there will be no unrighteousness before the throne of God. No matter how little the sin is that you think you're going to get away with. If the blood of Jesus Christ does not cover you, you will not get away with anything. Jesus spoke in Matthew about that. Not one dot or tittle from this law will pass away and you will not get away until the very last farthing is paid. <clears throat> Idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let us close this morning, if you would, turn to Isaiah 53. And I'd ask you, even if you haven't opened your Bible this morning, if you would do me a favor and open it to this last passage of Scripture. bit of this text and show you what the love of this Savior has done for those who have broken this law every one of us in verse 5 it says but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He took it all on his own shoulders to pay the sin debt that you owed. Verse 6 talks about all those great Christians throughout history that only needed a little bit of help. Not a whole lot of help in this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. I want you to think about this as we read through this text. This is what you deserved. This is what he did in your place. As a sheep is silent before her shearers, so he opened not his mouth. He had every right in the world to say, stop. He said at one point in the New Testament, he said that I could call down 10,000 leagues of angels right now to stop this. But he opened out his mouth. For you. For me. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Why? For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. 
neither was there any deceit in his mouth. He never lied. He never bore false witness. But yet he suffered as so he did. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, for he hath put him to grief. God the Father punished Jesus. It gave him pleasure to put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Then God the Father, he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Be satisfied for what? For he poured his wrath out that was due upon us. The full, unadulterated, unvarnished wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ that day. He didn't hold back. He gave him everything. No man ever died like this. Why do, we th why do you think 2,000 some odd years later we worship this man? No one lived like this man. No one died like this man. He sweated so hard. was in so much anguish in the garden that blood came from his pores. For me. For you who know him. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge, speaking of Christ, shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Do you know Christ this morning? What Isaiah prophesied in Chapter 53 right here, the most beautiful prophecy in all of the Old Testament, in my opinion. Are you one of the many that he will justify by bearing their iniquities? I'm a Calvinist. I believe in election. I believe in predestination. I'm not trying to pull at your heartstrings this morning. I'm trying to tell you the truth of the scripture. Jesus said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice and they come unto me. Are you his sheep? Even if you're not saved today, are you the one that he left the 99 to come get? We just read it. All we have sheep like have gone astray and we've all gone after our own way. Do you hear your shepherd, the captain of your soul, calling to you this morning, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. Amen. Let's pray and dismiss. Father, we thank you again this morning. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the great debt that he paid on Calvary's hill for our sins. We pray, Father, as you said later on in Isaiah, that your word will go forth, Father, and it will accomplish what you sent it to do. 
we praise you. We give you thanks. We pray for the next hour. We pray for Brother Jimmy as he's standing in for the pastor down the street. Lord, have your way over there, dear God. Help our brother. Help the remnant there hear what you have for him today. Be with Brother Randy as he breathes the word to us in the next hour. Father, be with our dear brother. Fill him with your spirit. In Christ's name we do pray and ask it. Amen.